and hello good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly, this is Adventures in Mubu, and this is another one of the monthly Ask Me Anything question and answer sessions that we do here on the channel. If you would like to get in on this, you can join the Patreon at any level, and once a month I will put up a post where you can leave your questions, or you can join the Discord. Links are in the description below for both of these places, uh, where there's a whole channel where you can leave your messages, and I will, uh, or leave your questions, and I will eventually get around to answer them sometime in a vlog. So, let's get straight into this. An anonymous person asked me, are gods and goddesses from different pantheons equivalent? Like, is Demeter the same as Ishtar and Astarte the, and is the same as Zeus? No, is Demeter the same as Ishtar and Astarte and is Zeus the same as Baal, Hador and Thor? Uh, views are going to differ on this. Um, and the whole idea of trying to put all of this together is called syncreticism. If I'm pronouncing that right, I've mostly just read that word. Um, some gods are the same, some gods are equivalent. You get most of the very equivalent ones is when the Greek gods got you know, brought into the Roman pantheon. So you have people like Hermes, who when uh, they joined Rome, they became Mercury. Or you have Ares, who became Mars, etc, etc, etc. And there's a very direct kind of correlation between them. They look aesthetically exactly the same, more or less. And by all, you know, by all accounts are the same thing. Although, you know, ask Hermes and ask uh, Mercury if they're the same things, and they, might, and they might disagree with it. There might be some sort of fundamental difference or some sort of slight change of flavour or something. But then you have other gods who are meant to be equivalent in some way to say, let's, let's go with the Mercury-Hermes things, where you have the idea of Tot or Tehuti from the Egyptian canon, who is also the communication god um, or the scribe um, and is often equated with Hermes and uh, Mercury, but isn't quite the same. Not quite the same, so you couldn't, I don't feel that they're, they are the same. And you could lump in with this Ganesh or Ganesha, who's also a partly a scribe. He wrote, uh, he broke off his tusk in order to write down the Maharabata, if that's been pronounced correctly. Um, one of the Hindu scriptures, one of the very long ones, and he wrote it down. So he's also the scribe, and he's also equated with Hermes, not a lot, but you see it on a lot of lists of Hermes, Mercury. Tahuti, Tosh, Ganesha, etc. Although Ganesha, you would not say if you looked at them in exactly the same way as you would look at Mercury, you would say they're direct equivalents. I think there's overlaps, there's flavours that are the same, there is qualities that are the same. Are they the same people? I don't know. Ganesha feels very intact and rounded out as a personality that seems separate to Mercury, at least to me. So, are they equivalent? Some are, some aren't. And um, I would approach them as who they are rather than as a, an overall umbrella of, um, say, triple goddesses. Approach Hecate rather than a general more kind of triple goddess or, you know, um, a communication god. Go to, you know, pick one and, uh, and work with them. And then pick Hermes after doing Mercury and see if, you f if it does feel any different to you. Andrew. In previous vlogs, you briefly touched on the arcane school. How's that going? Is it something you would recommend? Um, I finished my first kind of big module. What happens with the arcane school, which is the loosest trust that comes out of that, it's the Alice Bailey teachings from the Tibetan, who's Dual Cool. It's a form of theosophy, something that I got into very, very early in my life um, as a teenager and kind of left for a long while and got back into it in the last while. Um, and I joined the actual school, the actual whatever it is. Uh, it's called the Arkane School, so it's a school. In January, so I've done my first six months uh, and I have the first set. What the first set is a group of um, study and meditation stuff called Light on the Path. And every two months you get written, new written work and new homework to do. 
and every month you have to put in a meditation report. So I finished the um, Life in the Path and now went to another one which is around magic. Um, I find I, I, I really enjoy the studying element of it and I really enjoy the theory around it and I enjoyed all of that. Didn't gel at all with the meditation practice, the first meditation practice. It seems very disjointed or it seems like there's an awful lot going on where say I'm using an insight timer and I have to set off a lot of interval bells in order to get to all the bits that you have to do from chanting to praying to visualization to using seed thoughts to you know all of this kind of kind of stuff there's like a lot of sections and it just feels I suppose a bit like feels more like you're engaging or you're doing stuff rather than meditating you know it, it seems a bit more like it's closer to guided meditation or you know maybe a bit like active imagination but it's not that either it's not anywhere like that but you know it's something where you're engaging with it Rather than say something like mindfulness or concentration practice or Vipassana or say the fire practice from Magia or Beloved or whatever these things. And you get a secretary and they talk to you every month. And uh, I've seen that I'm not gelling with it. And they were kind of first saying, oh, well, it's hard when you get into meditation because no, I've been meditating for a long time. It's not meditation that I have an issue with. And the kind of answer is that it's what you could have been doing, and it seems probably right, is that when my previous meditations, what I'm doing is either I'm kind of blissing out or I'm using it as a way to relax or to escape or to um, you know, sit in peace or get away from it or something. And there's a kind of a, there, an addiction to that kind of element of it. And then when you come across a meditation which involves you having to do stuff to be engaged and to be active and to be, you know, kind of, on the ball, if you want, that um, it, it can feel very different from what you consider meditation because essentially what you were using meditation was to bliss out, to trance out, to uh, sometimes take a snooze. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to try and, for the second part, there's a new meditation. I'm going to try and really kind of put an effort into it this time more than I did the last time. I kind of discounted it quite early. My meditation practice went to, went to pot because of it. But yeah, I, I'm enjoying all of the kind of views and... Uh, theories and stuff that the Arcane School are uh, offering, that the, the, the teacher, the, uh, the, the Tibetan Dwalkul, the Ascendant Master, uh, offered. Um, do I buy it all? I don't know, but I'm open enough to, while I'm reading it or understanding it, to see what it is, looking just to see, as Alan Chapman would say. Um, and I'm okay with that. You know, while I'm doing it, while I'm in it, I'm, I'm, I'm able to digest it, digest it and see the world from that kind of thing and it, that kind of angle and uh, 15 years in total the entire course will I do it I don't know I, I said I was going to do six months um, and that was kind of as if a way to because it felt like unfinished business with, with that and I felt that if at least it is six months for so I will know that it isn't for me or it is for me and so here I am still doing it after the six months so yeah, would I recommend it if you're into it? You know, you'd ha you have to be into it. You have to be into this type of stuff. And if you're into the Alice Bailey stuff, or if you're, you know, Alice Bailey, see, it's, there's definitely a more kind of Christian bent to it than normal theosophy. Like, it's a lot about the Christ, but it's more the Christ principle than the Christ from Christianity. Um, and if it's a particular flavor you like, or don't fight being, I'm not annoyed by the Christian stuff anymore in the way I used to be. And so I can kind of indulge in it if you want, or without feeling annoyed by it. Um, you know, I can separate it from 
the problems I would have had with Christianity and Catholicism growing up, uh, and I still do. Uh, so if, if if that's the type of flavour of things you, you want, you know, and it's it's written, it's over 100 years ago, a lot of the predictions haven't come true. There's, you know, you can definitely go, there's an awful lot of things that are wrong scientifically if you want. Um, there seems to be an underlying truth, but is that underlying truth the thing that's in all things? It's like, is that just the part of the golden thread? Or is there, you know, a more, you know, refined truth than that that's up to, up to you to decide when you engage with the with the stuff I've, I'm, I'm yet to decide but really it's like the theory of if you want to know the very minutiae of how the universe creation and all of these things work theosophy is the thing for you because it goes into serious detail on it to the point where you're going I actually don't really need to know all this just how do I live my life and that would be one of the things that's kind of lacking from the, the Alice Bailey arcane school stuff that I found is that right, this is all great fantastic but how do I become a, a better person how to become a happier person and the kind of answer is oh, you have to integrate your personality to, into your soul which is which is the truth but as yet other than the meditation practice there's nothing that has been shown in how to do that or how to deal with your problems to the point where say your problems your day-to-day -day problems are insignificant at all completely which I find it hard to deal with because my interaction with people like or Entities such as Black from the Secret Chiefs um, would seem to think that they have a very particular interest in me as a person um, and want only good things for me. You know, that, that it's there's not this kind of you, Tommy Kelly's uh, uh, incidental to the whole story. It's, you know, your soul or whatever. There is, a, there is an interest in my personality. The other thing I would say about the uh, Arcane School is if you're looking for something that solely relies on your um, stage of development or your development or your spiritual advancement or whatever that's probably not for you because it's totally focused on group uh, ascension and taking the kind of idea of the individual as part of the whole now they're not negating the individual or the personality which is what I thought it was doing for a while until I kind of discussed it and looked into different things it's but seeing that you are a cog, but you're a cog in, in a bigger machine, and the bigger machine doesn't work without the cog, but you are not the bigger machine, and the important thing is the bigger machine. At least that's where it appears now, and uh, service is not a huge thing on it. Um, so it's more focused on, it's less focused on the individual, individual awakening or enlightenment, and more as um, evolutionary human race, and it's a, a greater awakening. Bloody hand, what were the most personally radical forms of mag magical paradigm shifting you have experimented with it and what lessons did you learn from them? I'm going to give an answer that you're not going to like um, because it's not the question you're really answering but it's the actual answer, the, the most honest and genuine answer I can give to this question. My biggest paradigm shift um, and <laughs> around uh, magic is that I um, pretended that I wasn't magical or I acted like I wasn't because my surroundings and the, the world... Um, I didn't, I, I didn't feel I was able to express it and I didn't because the world said that was wrong, that uh, the feelings I had um, innate within me and that I knew were to be true, that felt true on a very fundamental level about the nature of the world, the nature of me and the nature of creation and my role in it, that um, it seemed that was, you know, I was told that that's foolish and that's untrue and so I kind of um, role played, if you want, as a normie, as a, as a normal person, a person who's not um, spiritually active, who's not, you know, have to I'd hide my spirituality, not talk to it about people. Still do it to a certain extent. Just I don't really like talking about myself. 
which is strange for someone who talks about themselves constantly on the internet. In real life, I find it deeply uncomfortable when people <laughs> have to talk about myself to, like in a one-on-one situation. I just don't enjoy it at all, and I will do anything to avoid it. Um, so this is my outlet for these kind of things, because you can't talk back to me in, 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 in a very direct way. You can later, of course, leave messages and stuff. Tangent, get back to the point. So the kind of awakening experiences that I've had then are subsequent remembrance of what I actually knew in the first place, but wasn't allowing myself to have the thought. Um, or, you know, I wasn't allowing myself the truth of it because I had to get validation from outside of myself that I probably could have believed it if, I don't know, Richard Dawkins believed it or my mother believed it or my father believed it or the teacher at school believed it or whoever, the world at large deemed it um, appropriate because I wasn't unable to validate it for myself. And that comes out of childhood experiences and uh, different things that I've talked about ad nauseum on the channel, so I'll not go back in again. So the biggest paradigm shifting was shifting into that, realizing that, that that's not how I'm going to be able to maneuver in the world successfully and deciding I was going to be something else. And I'm deliberately making the decision. Like it's not that it was just kind of, I fell into it. There was a deliberate decision made um, in, in my teenage years um, to the point that I believed it. To, to, it absolutely became the truth for me. And then again, paradigm shifting out of it in the last couple of years to realizing that the awakening experiences I had were things that I had to allow um, and remember and that I already knew but wasn't accepting. You can't awaken to something <laughs> that wasn't already the case. So uh, yeah, not, the, not really the question you know, or the answer I would suspect you wanted to hear. But the, the answer. Oh, it's pronounced this wrong. Funky, funky pun, pum, pumpkin? It's funky pumpkin spelt wrongly, let's say. What advice do you have for someone just getting back into practice after a hiatus? Anything to focus on, anything to avoid. Doing too much, avoid doing too much. Don't try to do all the things. Don't try to do meditation twice a day, sigils six times a day, 74 bindings a week. Um, 10 page diary entries every day, 60 books at once. Essentially, don't do all the things I do. Do even le less of these things. It's like, there's no real rush into any of this. Come back in slowly. Meditate for five minutes a day because you can do five minutes a day. Meditate for, then for 10 minutes when, that, when five minutes is easy for you. Um, you know, don't feel like you have to read all of Carl Jung immediately. Do get around to it. But now, you know, you don't have to read it all at once. You don't have to read all the magic books at once. You don't have to know all, everything at, this, at the one time. This is all from my experience. If this is what exactly what I do or have done and I'm trying to work on myself. Avoid the overload. Avoid the oversaturation in, in the whole thing. Have other hobbies. Do other things. Play computer games. Go out and kick a ball. Hang out with friends. Get drunk. Eat good food. Go on a diet. Stop drinking. Do whatever it is. But don't, don't let the whole thing spirituality take over your entire life so it's, that, that there's nothing else. Your life is to live your life. Your life isn't to kind of avoid your life by being spiritual and seeing it as something that's like, oh, I'm higher. I, I don't have to deal with these things you know, because I'm spiritual. It's like, no, the thing that you have to deal with is the shitty relationship with your father. That's the spiritual thing that you have to do. It's not sitting at home meditating 20 hours a day and becoming one with the universe. It's all of those things that are being presented in life. And we can kind of spiritually bypass an awful lot of these things. Um, by, you know, the world's dream, it's an illusion. It's not an illusion, it's a delusion. <laughs> There's a big difference. It's real. We just have a very weird idea about what it is. 
So yeah, start meditation, five minutes. Start a diary as soon as you can, try and keep it up, but just, you know, not pages, just meditation, five minutes. It was crap. Me or next day, meditation, five minutes, was better, it wasn't as crap as yesterday. Did a sigil for whatever. If you want to, you know, some people say you should you not remember what you do sigils for. I don't even know how you would even do that. Uh, so account for everything and, you know, but keep it, you know, you don't have to write theses on these things. Um, yeah, if you've taken a hiatus, what was it that stopped you the first time? Was it doing too much, not doing enough? Um, you know, we just got bored of it. Why did you get bored of it? Have a look at why you stopped the last time and then not do that again. I hope that helps. What do you think would happen if everyone in the world started practicing magic tomorrow? This is from Max. Max, everyone in the world is practicing magic. <laughs> so nothing to change at all. Um, but on a more kind of, and a less shitty answer to that. Um, um, look at what happened when magic became mainstream, when chaos magic became mainstream, particularly in American politics. And, um, you know, memes and keck uh, and all of these things. And how it was obvious that it works, but how obvious that it was also to the detriment <laughs> of society. Um, so if everyone did, imagine everyone's wants, needs, ambitions, shittiness, shadows, all got amplified immediately, overnight, because everyone started engaging in it in a more concrete, focused, intentional way. So everything that is currently at, say, a four or a five, some things are a nine, but like, and, like say everything, your normal day of havoc in the world is a five. Now add you know, that being ramped up. Because everyone is doing magic, everyone is focused, everyone is intentional, everyone is doing the equivalent of what the election was in 2016, although it seems like it's been going on for 100 years, 2015, 2016, the lead up to, to Donald Trump become, becoming president and the uh, infiltration of chaos magic, particularly, and magical thought and fake news, you know, um, truth. Your own personal truth is as real as everyone else's truth. No real truth. Um, moving into the pandemic and the complete conspiratorial thing that took over. And that became mainstream. All of this is the effects of magical reality ramping up. And remember, and this is one of the greatest bit of advice, uh, advice I was given, and it was recent, um, Al Chapman said to me, the shit bit comes first. The shit version of it comes first. Always comes first. And you can kind of give up on things because you get the shit version. And you go, oh, well, that's just shit. That's not what I wanted. You know, it's like the secret, the law of attraction. And, you know, oh, putting out good vibes. And you get what you want. That's the shit version of it. It's not what it is. But you could give up on it. And you could dismiss it. And you could discount it or whatever. The world around you is a reflection of your inner, inner life. Your inner um, knowledge. Your inner awakening. Because it is you. And, but turn that into a book. Turn that into the secret. Um, so yeah, we'll get, well, we've got the shit bit at the minute. Do we get out of the shit bit is the question though. But yeah, I'm still going to go back to my first answer and go, yeah, everyone is doing magic. But of course, and you know that, Max. I know you know that. Uh, a practice. How much are you willing to change yourself for your spiritual advancement? Are you willing, willing to become someone new entirely? Um, yes, I think I have. But I think it's not in any kind of 
way that's any different from you or anyone else. Well, some people haven't changed at all. I know a certain number of people in my life who absolutely haven't changed in the entire 45 years I've known them uh, and older than that before I was even here. I've definitely changed as a person in a number of three very distinct parts of my life where I was three very different people um, and definitely making concerted efforts to become a different person. Um, a greater version of it maybe but still a different person are you willing well i mean are you willing to change yourself for spiritual advancement how can you advance without changing yourself though i mean but that's one of the things isn't it like that, that we try to do i suppose with magic i want nothing to change but i want everything to change once nothing changes but i want it all to be different you know uh, uh, that i want i want to see the world differently but at the same time have it be exactly the same as it is now because I can cope with that. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very kind of strange way. And the only way you can, are going to see the world differently, the only way you are going to spiritually advance, whatever that means, is by being a different person. But who are you anyway? Like, I mean, are you the same person when you talk to your boss that you are when you talk to your mother? Are you the same person who goes to sleep uh, at night, that person just before you fall asleep? Is that the same person who's listening to this now? Are you the same person who you were with when you were seven? Are you the same person who you were yesterday? Are you the same person when you talk to uh, a policeman? Are you the same person when you talk to someone you went to school with? Who are you? Who is this person who's changing? Does that person even exist in order to change? Can you change something that is fleeting? Answers on a postcard, Braxis, please. Um, Safira. Which servant or advice would you give to sensitives or empaths who are swayed, maybe more than most, by outside, outside influences? Well, the obvious servant to use that would be the protector, uh, just to protect her from any of these uh, influences. The other thing I would say is check out the work of Elaine Aron, who came up with the idea, or let me see, recognised the idea that is the highly sensitive person, which she reckons is about 20% of the population. And I think an awful lot of people who would consider themselves empaths are possibly highly sensitive people, um, rather than any kind of necessarily woo element to it that you can somehow pick up in other people's emotions through a kind of a, I don't know, morphic field or some sort of telepathy or something like this. It's just a way this highly sensitive person is that they, just uh, from their psychology and from the type of person they are and uh, you know through certain things that have happened through them which has amplified these things but it's reckon about 20 percent of the population is one i'm certainly one and it means you are open to the greater joys of the world but sadly you're open to uh, very much the greater sadness and other people's sadness and other people's uh, and the world's sadness and, and all of these things to a much higher level than other people are um, it first came to my notice uh, when Spud pointed out to me where he said take this test and see if you're a highly sensitive person and I got highly sensitive about him asking me so <laughs> the irony uh, yeah so check that out or use the protector uh, from um, for servants I mean there's other, other things you could do as well of course like just try and do that new age thing of have a separation you know like maybe visualise a bubble between you and other people stop reading the news uh, to a certain extent, you still have to know what's going on. Stop reading, stop doom scrolling, stop uh, involving yourself in um, other people's business and emotions when you're not asked as much as you can. I know that's, uh, it, that can be hard, but uh, unless someone asks you for help, don't offer it. That's what, uh, that can seem kind of callous or whatever, but it's also 
what I find, if you're anything like me, is that uh, it kind of felt like it was my responsibility to save the world and to save everyone else and to sort everyone out. And uh, while that's an admirable goal, it's, um, it's impossible to do and, uh, and you just have to chill out with it. Chiro. Has there been any unexpected positive things or changes or problems or that you can think of uh, that might be the result of scrying the Nokian eaters? Um, one of the things that came to both myself and Spuds and a few other people that we were discussing is um, it's one of those things where it seems, <laughs> and maybe coincidentally, who believes in coincidences? Who does? But uh, correlation does not uh, equal causation, etc. But um, things certainly went to... I'm not going to say to shit, but the, like just life kind of... The, 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 something changed, particularly for me. Uh, an awful lot of my enthusiasm for stuff disappeared. Um, my motivation for a lot of stuff kind of disappeared. Very down, very kind of uh, lacklustre, lots of procrastination. Unsure of what I want to do with my life again at 45. Um, questioning about it. I'm, is this what I'm going to do forever? Is this who I am? And... Um, Lots of stuff coming to the surface that you just have to deal with. Now, that happens all the time anyway, to a certain extent, but it seems a bigger kind of impact is happening, or it's more of that, particularly for me, although as Spud is having some of it too, but you'll have to ask him about it, where there's a greater upheaval and things are coming to the surface that have, you know, been there. It's not new, there's no new disaster. There's no new thing that has to be dealing with, but the things that were always kind of there have to be dealt with. And um, I'm finding it very draining, and I'm finding it very, uh, I don't know. I just kind of have to go with the process, go with it, and see what happens at the end of it, because you can't really judge these things in the middle of it. It's like a thing that happened when I first did the Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram all the time. And I kind of equate it to, in some sense, this doesn't happen to everyone, it happened to me, but it happened to enough people that it's something that happens. Where it just kind of blanketly banishes or clears everything. And it can feel like a kind of a, you know, like a chemo type thing, which is the, the idea with chemo. Is it just kills everything. And cancer, good cells, bad cells, all of them. With the hope that once the cancer cells are destroyed, that the good can return. You know, so it's just kind of blanket devastation of everything which can it definitely happened when I was doing the the lesser banishing ritual of pentagram years and years and years years ago I was doing it every day for a number of months and so it has this kind of quality to it where it's kind of seems to be just you know blanket taking away everything and I suppose then you can it's like then you have to go well which is important which are the things I actually wanted which were the things I thought I wanted which are the things that I have to sort out? What are the things I can let go of? All of these type of things. So it's a f very much a period of, yeah, no fun. No, it's not really fun. I have to admit, it's not that fun. Um, it seemed to happen at that time that, that we started doing this. But uh, who knows? You know, it, it, there's plenty. There's pl it also happened after the stuff with uh, Black and the, the channeling, the Estee method or Estes method. <laughs> that we, we did and all those things, particularly around the, the one we did with the uh, uh, the ultra-terrestrial hunt and that seemed to take an awful lot out of me. That There was a kind of a, a, a momentum up to that with, like I said, the rituals, the task, the rituals and, kind of, you know, doing the stuff with Jason and me and Spud and doing the stuff then with Duncan and all that to the point of that it kind of hit a crescendo at the ultra-terrestrial hunt. 
that something was in that that, it, that I felt I needed to just one more thing and one more thing that we had to do, which was the, the la very last session we did with Black, which was brilliant and, and great. But it, it kind of, whatever energy or, or spiraling or something that had happened that I still, in a sense, energetically have not recovered from that. Whether that's part of the the arc of clearing out, like the sort of kind of banishing or that, it's hard to tell because you're in the middle of it. But also remember, Black told us to do the scrying the eater, so it's still connected to all of these type of things um, involved. And I'd say, ask me next year when I've done it all and when I've come out of this. Uh, I was going to say cloud. It's not a cloud. I've come out of this, um, you know, days in the desert. Um, Grayson, final question. Do you think we are all, that all we are is contained in the meat jello we call the brain? Do you believe we are more about having a soul? I absolutely do. I don't... Um, the thing of... The awakening level, I, 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 I claim, is stream entry, which is the equivalent of what Gordon White talks about in Care Protocols, was being invincible, or becoming invincible. And many other names. Uh, it's the point at which you can't go back, that you can't unsee the man behind the curtain. And so it's like that wonderful uh, video of Carl Jung when he's been asked, um, "Do you believe in God?" And he, he gets, you know, believe, believe. I know. And you just, it's you know, it's. Do I have a soul? I, I have a soul. Like I mean, it's not, it's not, not a belief. Um, are I contained in the meat out? No. But I also am. Tommy Kelly doesn't exist without this brain, without this body, and that this body is what, what I am. Um, but it's more, it's greater, but not not. It's hard to explain, Grace, without sounding like an ass, or um, like I'm talking in riddles deliberately to conflate or confuse the issue. Um, so much of what we are, if read some Ian Gilchrist, McGilchrist and his left right brain, particularly with the uh, stuff is new on um, the matter with things. You can see just how much the, the, the parts of your brain are affecting you and who you are and how you deal with the world. And he's kind of sees it as almost like he wouldn't use these words, but it's a co-creation between you and the world where what this is that around us only exists because of the interaction between the things. So it's not idealism. In the like the Bernardo Capstrop type stuff, where it's that all of this is embedded within a field, say, of um, imagination, or you know that you're, you're in somehow dreaming. This dream's not the, the right word, but that it's all thought. It's all you know, just uh, an emanation of a thought. Whereas uh, Ian McGilchrist would be saying, "No, there's something here." And what that thing here is, and when, when this, as humans, interact with it, this is what happens. And both are needed in order for this. But the thing that we're interacting with probably doesn't look anything like what we think it looks like. Um, so I, can't, I agree with that, or at least that's how, how it feels. And, um, I, yeah, I can't... That, that I, I, I can't I can't explain to you why I I'm so sure about it. Other than that's what I, I'm 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 very sure about it. It's like you know when you see uh, on Reddit or on 
Google or any things, you see a confusing perspective photo. And it's like um, a guy and he has, he's bent over and he has a woman's body. And then there's the woman seems to have the head of the man. And then, I don't know, a dog on fire or whatever it is. And then that, that's really, I can't understand what's going on here. And then you realize that the heads are on the other bodies and it's just the way they're hugging each other. And you see, oh, the man has the man's body. The woman has the woman's body. The dog, sadly, is still on fire. But um, you, can't, you can't then go back to seeing the illusion of it. That it's in so, you, once you see it, you can't trick your mind again into, into, into seeing the, the wrong way. You know, it's, it's, it's something like that. And that once you see it, you can't unsee it. Immensely unhelpful, I know. And deeply unsatisfactory. Uh, that's an answer but uh, it's the best I have for you Grayson to all the questions so good people of the internet um, we'll do this next month we'll do some uh, 47's divinations we'll be doing two tasters and uh, yeah that's what's coming up over in the next month and I hope your world is good I hope things are looking good for you I hope you're dealing with whatever upheaval uh, is involved in your life and I hope you have a lot of peace and joy and happiness and uh, may you be well, and may your best days be ahead.